0: welcome to the total entertainment podcast today we have adam Kerr on as our guest i've worked with adam a few times in the past and adam is a down-to-earth and level-headed performer and a great friend so let's welcome adam onto our show hi adam how's it going hello
1: morning how are you good thank you what a nice introduction
0: that was cheers (laughs) cheers right so shall we get straight on it then let's go yeah So the most important question, hence why it's the first, how old were you when you worked out uh, that life and the performing arts was your future?
1: Um, I think it's hard to kind of define an age when I thought that would be a career because I think I've always loved singing and dancing from being so small, but I think I was obviously really serious in my late teens, um, you know, before that this is the kind of career I definitely want to go into. Uh, Because I can't really do anything else. I'm not very good at anything else. (laughs) So, um, in school, um, anything to do creatively or artistic, I love. But the other side of the curriculum, I just couldn't concentrate on anything like to do with maths or geography or um, science. It it, it just bored me so much. But anything creative like art or drama, music, and English, I loved English. I was really, really passionate about that. So I would say probably, maybe 15, I thought this is something I want to do professionally, but you know, hopefully, and and get paid for it.
0: So that's, you know, I was like that. I I was 15 when I was sweeping stages for free, just so I could learn a bit of the tech. So I think 15 is a general consensus from other people that I know Uh, when they've got into the industry. They're like, yeah, you know, it's around about that age, I think. So what was the first steps that you took as a lad to uh, start you off then?
1: Well, when I was younger, obviously originally I am from Liverpool, but uh, with my my family, we did move uh, quite a lot over the country. So we moved from Liverpool to Birmingham when I was nine, then we moved from Birmingham to Manchester when I was 11. So um, as a young kid, I always had to start new schools. So I always had to make loads of new friends everywhere I went, which for me uh, was good because it meant I could kind of, you know, just meet people instantly and then become friends or be loud or outlandish, and you know, the center of attention as a young lad or the class clown to get friends. Um, but I started dancing at Elliot Clark in Liverpool when I was about eight or nine. And that was quite like a prestigious school and um, quite, I'd say, upper class, where we were more of a middle class background, where I grew up in Liverpool. So um, a lot of the parents would frown down on me and my and um, it, was, it was kind of like, you know, your typical ballet kind of jazz kind of school for kids. So I went there when I was nine and then, That kind of gave me the buzz, but then we moved. So when I was in Birmingham, I didn't do anything. We did, you know, school plays. I used to um, choreograph in the playground to the Spice Girls and Steps, (laughs) and I still do that to this day, all these years later. Um, And then I went to my local kind of theatre school uh, where I, when I moved to Manchester from the age of 13 and I stayed till I was about 19, really. Um, and then we, ca- and then that's how I started my training in singing and dancing and drama. But it was um, it was kind of a different take to a dance school because it wasn't strict. And our teacher, Tammy, who was like my role model, she let us all be ourselves. And it wasn't so strict or rigid as some of the schools they follow such a strict um, syllabus. And a lot of the syllabus now looking back, well even now, because obviously I'm a teacher myself now, they're just so dated and old-fashioned and haven't been updated for many years. So with Tammy, she was always kind of fresh and modern and was more like our friends, so we looked up to her on a different level. Um, so I started theatre school essentially, you know, at the local Saturday Theatre School from age 13.
0: Brilliant, brilliant. So um, how old were you when you cut your first paycheck as a singer and dancer, and what was the job?
1: Yeah, so we're we'll just going back onto where I train. So obviously, at, at sixteen, I then auditioned for um, you know lots of colleges in London when I knew I wanted to kind of take it serious, and then some in the northwest. And I got a scholarship at Dar Award. It's called Dance and Drama Award, and I trained at Liverpool Theatre School for three years. Um, and that was uh, about, you know a big shock to the system at seventeen years old, moving out of my mum's house, living on my own with you know five seventeen-year-olds with no money, buying yeah. chips, you know, fish and chips on a Friday then spending all the rest of the money on alcohol as we did throughout the week and then up at 9 every morning to do ballet. Yeah. There were some ballet lessons that I would definitely miss and uh, we would um, come up with every excuse of why we were late or why we didn't come in, you know, my friend's dog had died or the electric went so none of our alarms went off. So we were, me and my friends, we were definitely naughty, I think, and uh, a bit mischievous in college. But yes, yeah, so I did three years there. And then in my final year, I, it was a kind of a case of do I want to go to London and be one of hundreds of people and audition and work in a bar? Or do I want to kind of venture out and try something new? So I auditioned for. Uh, it was Greyboy Entertainment. It was the first UK cast that they ever had. They um, flew over from Australia, held auditions at South as well, and they had 700 people in attendance. And wow. I got the job, so they picked 12 of us. And I think, you know, when you're young, you don't kind of, you're kind of frightened and don't think you're good enough. But when I look back, that was such a major thing. And um, yeah, so me and my friend Stacey, we were the first few people in our year to actually get jobs, um, you know, before we even graduated. And they actually wanted me to start my contract like a week later, but my mum was like, you've got to finish your degree. So I finished that and then I ended up doing the next cast, which was a normal cast for the Pacific Dawn in Australia. Oh, wow. And uh, that was amazing. So in answer to your original question, I was 20. I was celebrating my 20th birthday in Dry Dock in Singapore <laughs> uh, and we all went to McDonald's and that was my first birthday. So, I went from living in a two up, two down student accommodation Liverpool to traveling to Australia. Um, and it was just amazing. I was twenty years old. I was on three thousand Australian dollars at the time and
0: that's a lot of money. If you bring that into UK money, that is a hell of a lot of money.
1: It was a lot of money, but I mean I spent it all, but I had the best time. <laughs> I do wish I'd say that's something in my older life I wish I'd done. But yeah, so it was um my first job and I was um, I was twenty and then I remember I seen the audition for the um, back in the day then you know I'm not that old but social media just came out. 2007 was the year I graduated. The Spice Girls reunited, so I always remember that. And um, <laughs> so you'd get the stage. So my mum would you know pay the subscription. The stage would come to the house every and I was sat with my friend and I, I never even knew about cruise ships at college. It was very frowned upon. They were like you've got to go to the West End. Um, you know, I think we'll, we'll probably answer that question later, but I think some, some of the training facilities are quite toxic and they don't teach young people that as long as you're performing yeah. and earning money, then it's, as long as you're earning money, then that's what we're in the industry for, so.
0: Exactly, yeah, exactly.
1: I seen the advert in the stage for Boy Entertainment and I was with my friend and I said, I'm going to get that job. And I really, honestly, and I got the job, so. So yeah, that was my first paycheck at uh, 20 and I, that was my first contract and it was for nine months. So. It was a you know, we looking back, we were so young, um, but we had the best time. And I think my first cast, we um, predominantly from the UK, um, and maybe one or two Kiwis, which is obviously people from New Zealand. And um, yeah, that was my first paycheck at age 20. Nice. And then I got the book for traveling and uh, drinking and performing,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you, you hit the nail on the head, uh, there was a lot of toxic snobbery. Well, there was back in the day, uh, when even when I was studying about the uh, cruise ships are just uh, frowned upon, you know, it's like the absolute snobbery. It's like, well, you can be a snob all you want, but I'm earning and you're uh, working at Sainsbury's. You know, <laughs> it, you know, there is a lot of uh, jealousy and bitterness, I believe, 100%. back in the day. A
1: hundred percent, and I think, you know, when you're young, you you know, you look to the approval of your teachers or your mentors in college and I just think, you know, my training was great there, but I do hope that it has improved in general on you know, for a lot of these theatre colleges and schools because they're giving children and, and young performers or people, you know, about to go into the industry um, unreal expectations and oh yeah. You know, the, the cruise industry was amazing and I thought my friends a lot of my friends who were in college who were maybe, you know, more favoured or have more part in the shows or were spearheaded, these are going to be the, you know, the champions or these are the ones to watch, never ever did anything. And a yeah. lot of us came out and thought, no, this is our time now. And I do believe that the training from doing the cruises and the, the the variety of shows and the content and how fast you have to learn the material. I mean, I was 20. I flew to Australia on my own. Uh, we did, we led a show a week. We had so it was jet lag, it was, it was really tough. And then we had you know four weeks of install in Singapore in Dry Dock. But I just think all that training is way better than me being in an ensemble at the back of a chorus or in you know in a West End show. And I never really I think when I was younger it was a you know program that you should go to the West End, but it was never my thing. And ultimately I always wanted to be a pop star and um, and that kind of pop current fresh vibe rather than old-fashioned musical theatre was was a bit more me so the shows over there with Grey boy was you know the choreography was very different to what I was used to very fast very you know all arms rather than technique um, and the shows are fantastic so yes yeah, so that was my first paycheck at age 20 in Australia
0: well and what a way to do it you know first paycheck in Australia enjoying the sunshine in between shows what uh, was it? What uh, two forty-five minute shows, or was it three on that that ship a day?
1: I can't remember because I think back in the day. I mean, if people are listening to this and they've worked on cruises, uh, you know, the industry has changed a lot. But we ca- we had to do uh, like entertainment duties and the shows. But the Australian people were so fun. We made so many like extended family that I'm still in contact with now. And we were all young and kind of a little bit immature and. Just like where are we? So we just got on with it. So we we would do you know entertainment duties in the day, hosting you know bingo, doing dance classes, and then doing the shows. I think we used to do. I can't. I could be wrong because I did go back and do the same contract a few years later. I think we used to do three shows a night. Oh. It might have been two. I can't remember. But well, the shows were forty-five minutes each. Yeah. Um, but they were full on. Oh you know,
0: god, nonstop. yeah. Non-stop, in your face quick, 45 minutes of absolute high energy, half hour break, do it all over again. By the time you're on your third show, I'm just guessing all your costume's really sweaty and stinky, and uh, you still got to put your, your smile on, happy face, you know, and then uh, do it for that third time and hope that you don't pull a muscle or something.
1: That's it, I'm, I mean, and I, I remember, you know, it's, it's funny you mentioned the costumes because now I'm older and hopefully wiser, like, I just, this is like an insider scoop. Like, when you work on a cruise ship, they just don't wash the costumes. And no. it just, you know, it's just, easy. you think, you know, if anyone ends up going on cruises, you end up getting used to cruise ship life. And, you know, when I was four years in, we and we'd have a new member of the team, and, I, you know, you're like, well, on ships, and you think you know everything about the ships, and it is a very unusual lifestyle to get used to. But, you know, some of them costumes stay on the ship for 10 years and never get washed. It's just oh, God, so yeah. crazy.
0: To so, yeah, it's crazy. great. <laughs> Well, it's like during the, the refit, because you 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 left the um, Ventura when I was on there, just before its first refit, and then uh, was going through all the costumes, uh, getting them all dry cleaned for the first time in God knows how long. And uh, the seamstress uh, threw one of the uh, costumes at me like, no, no, that's wrong.
1: <laughs> I mean, like the basic, like, the shirts would get washed and, you know, we'd wash out, but, you know, the big, expensive costumes, so the very first cast, you know, and that's why my first job, we were at a normal cast, so all the costumes were made to fit us. We were brand new, all of our yeah. shoes were fitted. Um, and then, you know, I worked for various companies, which we'll probably talk about in a second. And I just can't believe that they don't wash the costume. It's just ludicrous, but anyway. <laughs> it is,
0: it is. So, uh, let's move on. So, um... So uh, you've told us about your first uh, job. So uh, what else have you done uh, work-wise in your career? Just a quick, brief uh, timeline of what you've done.
1: Okay, so I, my first, well, I think I told a little white lie that my first actual paycheck was when I was in college and I did panto and they paid us like £50 a week because... When you're training, uh, these lovely producers like to uh, <laughs> pay people no money to do it. So that was my first, day, but my first you know, proud paycheck was then. Yeah. So I worked for PNO Australia, and then I met some of the casting directors for Princess Cruises when I was in rehearsals, and I worked as a singer-dancer. And then I wanted to go to the bigger ships, so I reached out to them. But at the time, I was 21, and they didn't really hire and younger singers then they had the concept of their shows there was a a cast of 17 seven boy dancers six girl dancers four lead singers who were normally uh, a bit older and you know approaching the way they look and their sound so i went to princess the crown princess as a dancer in 2008 and and the shows were unbelievable but it was from training in sydney to going to la and it's funny because I used to ring, you know, I, you forget that you had this life, especially with what I do now, because I forget that I had this life. But, um, I, you know, I would ring my mum and go, "Hi mom, I'm on my way home. I'm just flying back from Miami for two days, and I'm going to fly to Australia." Then, so yeah, so I went um, to LA and we rehearsed there in the studios, and that was a very big shock to the system because the shows were really hard. There was a lot of partner work, which I wasn't really very strong as a boy dancer in the sense. I was a great dancer, but I hated lifting i'd rather get lifted myself (laughs) Um, that was a big shock to the system but that was a great learning experience i met great friends there and the shows you know from my first contract just went tenfold it was a different league you know a lot more automation uh, the lifts the pits the set everything was just you know amplified by a hundred so i did that then i went back to clean australia to the contract there and i think all in all then I, i went back to princess and then I got my job with Headliners, which is through Pino UK, which is where I met you. I did Azora, Ventura, Azora as a fill-in, and I think I did Ventura again, and then I left. Uh, so I did chips for, I think I, I got my five years at Sea Pin, which means I spent five full whole years of my of my life on a boat in the ocean. <laughs> but I think that, um, that um, over the time span was for about eight years, so I think I got to about 28 in between, I would teach a little bit, or I would. I worked in the uh, you know the big department stores in London. Uh, as a fragrance boy, selling perfume and doing all the promotions. And then, um, so yes, yeah, so I've always I've always had good work. I think really because I just I, I don't like to sit still. I like to be busy all the time.
0: Yeah, I know that feeling. It just sucks. We're just waiting for something to happen. You know, waiting for a call from that from the agent or your or another employer and sitting around not doing much, you get nowhere really, do you? So yeah, I'm always out there just like you, I just have to do something. Temporary, doesn't matter, just get it done While you're working for the next uh, real job. So, um, do you have any advice for anyone that's joining ships on their first contracts? Don't
1: do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm only joking. Um, in saying that, um, I just think, I don't know, because I am a really positive person, but I just wish that there was some way that they could kind of explain the lifestyle a little bit better to people. Um, You know, especially a lot of my colleagues, as I met you and I was working for Headliners, I've been in the game for maybe five years, and then we had cast members who were 19 straight out of college, and it is a massive shock to these young performers to, to go to a life and see and all the rules and regulations. So my advice would be to try and find a company that pays... Well, because they all pay very different, and um, a short contract. Like, don't you think, Paul? The contracts for the cast are just so long. They're just way too long.
0: Well, they they range anything between four months as a uh, filler for the year to uh, nine months. I've seen uh, cast members do nine months. When you're at, uh, when you're so you've got show on a day where well, you're doing a show and a day off for of doing a show for the uh, cast, and then back into that routine. Mm-hmm. But sometimes, if something goes wrong, then you might have to back-to-back a show. And that's happened a few times where you've had some bad weather and you've had no choice but to back-to-back back a show because you've had the cab on. It, that should have been in between the day that you should have been performing. So that can get really horrific. Um, and and yeah. I Just
1: touched on that, Sorry, so it's you there. Just touched on that. I think my first contract for Piano UK, Azora, we went through seven cast members. So we literally rehearsed oh. every every show. I think I I mean it, it's great experience when you look like looking you know back on it now, but we went through seven cast changes. So we were in rehearsals for the whole nine months and I don't think we ever did one show the same. So oh, one jakes. day I was a dancer. We went through seven cast members and then I'd sing this part. So I mean we knew the show inside out, but um I do I do wish that they would shorten the contract somewhat because I think also which we'll probably touch on a bit later, um, it can really affect your mental health being yeah. not being a normal kind of life. Um where if they gave the cast like four months stints, they get the best out of the team and then let them have a month off and then they go back. Um Because when you're away, it's kind of like you're you're forgotten about. And obviously I'm not trying to put people off and hopefully this has improved. But um, I just think it takes a really strong character to actually be able to fulfil the whole contract, especially if they're young. So I would just say, just make sure it's something you definitely want to do and find a company that has really good work ethic and has really good company values and and looks after their team. Definitely, Um, definitely. People people have medical issues and and, uh, all, you know... And there's sometimes, it's just when you're on a ship, it seems to be that well, you're on a ship, so it's forgotten about. And I just think that could be improved slightly, if you know what I mean. Do you know yeah. what I
0: mean? Well, there was one cast uh, after your first time on Ventura. I think it was uh, two casts after that one where um, you had that cast that was plagued with injuries. So what happened was uh, one person got injured. So then you're having to cover uh, the space and the stage because you have to re-block the show and everyone then started getting injured because then they're having to fill these gaps and keep filling these gaps. And eventually you had the bare minimum to get the show on, uh, to keep it going. And the the stage looks absolutely empty. And you've got everyone with damaged legs, damaged backs, damaged arms. And that is a result of long contracts. and. not being able to say, sorry, we've got to stop this. We have to stop this. You need to send us out more replacements. Because some people just got too scared to do that as well. Because they were fearing for their job.
1: Well, that's the thing, and I think, I mean, that particular incident you're referring to is very unfortunate. Um, Yeah. I think we, I don't know why we went through so many cast numbers. Um, it wasn't really to do with injury, there was lots of issues. But, you know, if you do cover for three months, you don't get paid any extra money. And, um, you know, that's just the ship. Hopefully that's changed now. I'm not, you know, I'm so grateful for all my experience that I've had, I wouldn't change a thing. Yeah, same you here. I begin this kind of life now. Uh, we're in 2021 and people are more open about, um, about trying to improve their service and their product. And, and that starts with the, the staff, really, and the crew members on board. You know, not just us, because there's a huge uh, a variety of people from all different countries working way harder than maybe we are on the ship. Yeah. Uh. But I think, you know, even if they dedicated, like, somebody who is that support there or... Um, I think it's really important, I think, um, Moving forward, and hopefully, I mean, there are some companies that I've seen now who are doing that, and they have really good values and, and ethics. Um, and I suppose that was just the time, it's the time we lived in. It was not, yeah, it, it wasn't um, anything bad. I remember one of my great friends, she ended up getting vocal nodules because she was singing so many songs because the, one of the girls uh, couldn't fulfill all the role properly, and then just got a disembarked and was gone. And yeah, I think. Uh, I understand it's a business, but maybe a little bit more compassion and empathy
0: wouldn't go amiss. I, I do feel like it's changed a bit because uh, as I was leaving, because uh, you know I left the uh, ships a while ago now, but as I was leaving, they started to bring in a bit more of uh, of uh, help for the singers and whatnot. So uh, if uh, a singer was uh, starting to struggle, sick track goes on without question, you know. And if you don't know what a sick track is, that is where uh, you install the uh, show. Everyone records it and. If your voice needs a bit of extra boost, the sound engineer will just engage the recording underneath or on top of you just to get that extra bit of boost. But you have to make sure that you mouth the words exactly how you recorded it or it looks really bizarre.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's it. Because, I mean, the show should stay the same, but it does over time, uh, you know, people might change certain riffs or melodies, which we're not really meant to. But, um, so I remember one time I had a sick truck, and I was like, I definitely don't see the song like this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> modern music nowadays, uh, all all you know, kind of songs, they're triple, quadruple layered, and this is the kind of style now. So it's it's kind of unusual just to hear one solo vocal line now. Yeah. In the kind of shows they're doing, a lot of them are more upbeat a bit more pop influenced than in, rather than the old kind of fashion musical theatre.
0: Yeah. Right, so. Uh- Last question for this segment. How did you reach the point in your life when you decided working at sea was no longer for you?
1: Oh, it's a tough one, then. I, I think, um, I, I mean, it was no secret. I've always, I think I've always had issues with my weight uh, being a performer. And this goes back to the toxic training. I mean, we used to get weighed in college every week. Yeah. Um, which I just think, in you know, in, it's just so bad looking back. So I was in a relationship at the time and I was missing my partner, my sister had a baby and um, I was really really unwell. I think I'd just done my time and I was really underweight, severely underweight. Uh, I just never ate and I just didn't feel happy Um, and I think that it was really difficult for me, but looking back, I mean, my friends in the cast would say, Are "You okay?" But you know, management, no one would ever say. And I was, I was so slim. I think you, were, you knew me then, didn't yeah. you? Yeah, oh,
0: yeah, yeah. I was in that cast. I was there when you was there, when you just made that and, decision. Uh, yeah.
1: But I, you know, I was really, really unwell. I think uh, physically and mentally. And I just think that uh, in life, I always feel like there's a time when you go, "Right, I've done my time now." And I think at that point, when we've done. This particular contract was one of my favorite shows and ships and, and the company is fantastic and it's nothing to do with them it's my own personal issues at that time but when we did it before we had a band we had an orchestra yeah and, I went back and then the orchestra uh, was gone and then the band had gone so i feel like if you go back to something it should be better than it was before and it didn't feel like that to me yeah. um and also my very very first job back in the day we'd have to be in charge of you know controlling the muster station which if people don't understand what that is when it's an emergency on board the ship we would have to kind of round the passengers up and then at that time um they brought it in that the cast the performers the dancers the singers would then go back to doing it on this contract so i think we did like a coast guard thrill and i was hosting the mic and i just looked around and i just thought i've come full circle moment now now's my time to kind of leave so Uh, You know, I did resign and I I left early and I felt really bad for the cast because I'm not that kind of person because I don't like letting people down. But I also wanted to leave when I feel like when I left, I was like, I was, you know, my even though physically I was really underweight, vocally and dance wise, I was the best I'd been and I wanted to kind of leave on a high and I think if I'd have stayed, I would have become bitter and and not a very nice person to be around. And that's something, as a person, you should be able to say, do you know what? I need to leave, because I don't want to ruin this for everyone else. Um, so that's why I left, really. But the amazing thing was my sister had had a baby, and then um, I just think it it comes to a natural end, if that makes sense.
0: Right, uh, that, we're going to take a look. I just want to clarify,
1: one second before you go. i just like to clarify that, you know, my whole time on ships was amazing. I met some of the best people. It, it, and honestly, it does make your life greater later on in life. Um, and, you know, there's no disrespect, all the companies I work for are all great, but, you know, we're, we're trying to have honest, open conversation, and, and that was what the, the reason why I left, because I just felt that it was my, a natural end to my time. That's yeah, it.
0: definitely. We'll be back after this short break. Warning, this podcast contains strong, offensive, and misogynistic language that some listeners may find offensive. The name's Vert. Percival Reginald Vert and I run the PVAT Detective Agency. The year is 2055, and the police have been defunded. So, if you need a police investigation, the cops will charge you a thousand big ones a day. Because of this, the government introduced the PI Act, where the private investigators can undercut the police so justice can become affordable. These are my case files. New episodes every Wednesday. The links are in the description. And we're back. So uh, yeah. So we've just uh, talked about Adam's uh, early uh, career and uh, his uh, career at sea. So let's get straight into it. What was your first job after working at sea?
1: My first job after working at sea was um, I, I worked in the department stores in London, uh, spraying perfume and doing promotions. Uh, so I did that for a little bit, and then I moved back from London to Manchester, which is where I which is what I got as home, to be closer to my family and my niece and nephew. Um, so that was my first job. So I just, I was complete polar opposite. I didn't fall, I didn't want to audition. I just wanted to uh, enjoy life really.
0: Yeah, have, I have no a passion. nice little break after being at Sea for all those years. It's like I did the same thing. I had a, I had a bit of a yeah, break of uh, four or five months before I did anything else. You just need yeah. that time. And plus I was uh, a... Yeah, young, well, I had a young baby at that point. So it's like, you know what? Exactly. I'm just going to wait a little bit. I'm Just going to wait, I've done my time. I've earned my money, I'll wait a little bit. So now you run the performing arts school called AK Theatre Arts based in Walkden and Wellesley. What was the moment that you decided that you wanted to go into in this direction?
1: Well, I've always been, I've always taught, um, even from being young. And then my sister obviously had my niece and I wanted to open a school for, my niece. Um, so that was the kind of the catalyst, what what um, kind of gave me the the reason to open it was my niece. I wanted to spend time with her. And also where I grew up, um, you know, I used to get bullied quite a lot for being a performer. And I and I really empathise with kids. Um, I love children so much. And I think if you can have a positive role model in their life or someone to say, you know, you know, where I live, there's lots of different um, kind of not class, that's the wrong word. People are very affluent or people live in council houses or people, you know, it's not about, wealth to me, it's irrelevant where you come from. If you, someone's there to say, it doesn't matter where you come from. If you work hard, this is, you could do this or you might be able to do this. So I really wanted to, as, as cheese as it sounds, inspire like the next generation and especially where I come from, because there's so many, um, there's such a diverse culture of, of people within my area and my community.
0: Yeah. So, um, as with setting up any business, what were the major obstacles you had to overcome?
1: Um, well, when I started, um, I think the main the main thing even to, to this day is self doubt, is um, imposter, sy- imposter syndrome, thinking I'm not good enough. Um, that was a huge obstacle to overcome because obviously when I first started, we were trying to sell a product to our and a school that didn't really exist because we didn't have a school. It was a brand new venture. It was. Um, you know, in a church hall with, I think my open day, three children turned up and then we started doing classes. And for, for at least six months, I probably had about 10 children. So, um, the financial side, you know, my mum helped me out a lot, but I didn't get any loan. And obviously I'd spent all my money on the, on the cruises, living the best life, eating lobster and drinking champagne. <laughs> 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 um, so that was a real obstacle and also, um, a lot of competitors were just so mean to me, and other schools in the area, that was a, a real thing to overcome. And also, um, worrying about what people would say or think, that was, I had to, it, it took me a long time to overcome that. But in the early days, I used to worry, am I good enough? Do I know what I'm doing? And um, that was the main thing to overcome, really, that self doubt.
0: Yeah, I, I, I know exactly what you mean. because so I've had that with that setting up this podcast as well as the other podcasts and some YouTube channels as well. What would other people think? But I've got to the point of, I don't care no more. I don't care. All I care about is getting my work out there. Does that make sense?
1: Uh, anyone who works in the arts really will understand because when you go for the role or the job, whether you're a light, sound, a sound, a singer, a dancer, whatever, there's normally hundreds of people going for that job. Um, so, just can you answer that question again because it's all gone blurred.
0: So that's uh, we we'll just skip on to we just skip on to the next point, mate, because uh, I've lost where my chain of thought. Because I think that was a bit of a tangent that one. The pandemic hit the industry really hard, where we were all forced to close, and okay. we and our industry was essentially the last to close, and the first well, the first to cl- close and the, and the last to reopen. So. What did you have to do to ride out the storm to keep your school uh, alive?
1: Um, well, it was so tough. Honestly, I can't tell you. Um, I went from uh, you know, having a business that was profitable to having to close. Um, it was really, really hard. And we didn't receive any kind of funding from the government because I don't lease my own premises. I hire a venue, which is a very, very fine blueprint. Um, so we didn't get any support. So what helped me get through it really was my friends, my family, and also my parents and, and their children. They're so loyal to me. But you know, it was tough. I had to move house, downsize my house. And um, I got a part-time job uh, on the phones, helping uh, with you know issues to do with the pandemic uh, on a very, very minimum salary. And that I was just trying to pay my rent and my bills and trying to feed myself really. Um, but i think the sheer determination and it has been really hard to get things back up and running but i just feel like i owe it to the kids to no matter how hard it is to just keep going so so yeah it it has been really tough but um thankfully somehow we're out the other side and i think it's really important to remember because uh you know we had a big show at the weekend and it just feels like it never happened but it really did happen and obviously people lost lots of that they care about which is awful and it was a huge loss for a lot of people but we need to remember that time because I think I was also living on my own with my two little dogs and social interaction with other people is something that I really need in my life and to go from that to no contact at all it was really really tough uh, mentally and physically for me because I just I just felt like I was on my own and then obviously the school and the business and all the exciting things we do all that was gone. And I just never thought there'd be a day when that would come back around. So I would say my friends and my family and, and, and my clients helped me get through it all with their generosity and their support, really.
0: Cool. I mean, it's it was tough. I mean, I ended up having to uh, go from uh, a real good job at, at, at an arena to working on the door of McDonald's. You know, it, it sucks. But we're open now and uh, We've had, our, we've had our challenges as well. But for you, was it difficult to get students to return? And what challenges did you have to overcome to be allowed to reopen?
1: Yeah, so uh, it was really hard. I think um, obviously different age groups were affected differently. I, I find that the age, ages nine to 11, the, the children who are, you know, nearing getting ready to go to high school, they were kind of affected the most. A lot of the children did lose their confidence. I think even as adults, I think I lost my confidence. I think everyone just felt so deflated. So it was hard to get them, uh, some of the children to return. Some of them have left. It's part of life, unfortunately. But um, you know, lot, lot of them have come back, and we've gained loads of new students. So, um, so yeah, it, it was kind of hard to get people back through the door, um, and with the logistics of running the the, the classes safely. Um, At one point, you know, we were all in class bubbles, they couldn't mix, we had to hire extra venues, extra space to keep all the children separate. At one point, me and my staff all got COVID, which was actually, funnily enough, 12 months last year. On my birthday, I had coronavirus and I was, thankfully, I was okay, but I was unwell um so we just reopened and i think in 12 months we were only legally allowed to open for three out of the 12 oh, uh, and then we had to close down so we'd have momentum and yeah. then we'd have to close again and then we get momentum and then we'd have to close again so um so yeah i've got a right-hand woman uh jade who's my best friend and she's one of my dance teachers from for my business and uh me and her would you know bring around all the clients and uh, we're back on monday you're gonna cut co- are you coming back and then yeah and then tuesday you know the government was announced actually now we're closed so jade's been like my best friend and my rock and without her support and also without her believing in me i don't think i'd have been able to get through the whole time really because uh, obviously you know your friends and family are there for you, and that's a given but with the business side she knows inside out just how hard it is to to retain the children and to keep it exciting and also to to produce the great content and the great shows and the great material that we come out with. And obviously my other main teacher is a lady called Sinead and she's been fab too. So, you know, we did a few online classes. My teachers worked for free. I did did classes every day in the first part of the lockdown just to engage with the kids. I think, you know, people forget, but there was a time where you literally couldn't leave your house and they made it out if you left your house and breathed in. It was like a scene from a zombie film and everyone (laughs) would, you know, die. Yeah. around that time so we would i did classes at 10 and 11 and 3 and 4 and just to talk to the kids and keep them keep them uh, engaged i suppose um so yeah there's been so the bubbles were, were tough uh, and then you know slowly but surely well no it was actually it wasn't slowly it took yeah you know, it did take for ages once the bubbles were bare so to speak I think our very first time we could have everyone back in a room was uh, September where we had all the class in one one room where and uh, my favorite part of the week uh, just to give you insight into the, to the school every Sunday we have all the children whether they're four whether they're 18 we all come in for an hour together that's my time with them and we do a big group warm-up we sing we get them hyped up for the day talk about the shows that are coming up and that's my favourite part because the 15-year-olds are like hugging the little ones, the little ones look up to, and it's like one big family community, and we couldn't do that. So the kids had come back, but for example, like some of our babies have not seen our older kids for over a year and and some of their friends are in different teams. So even though we were open, it wasn't uh, operating in a normal situation. So that very first day that we could have all the kids back in the class as a whole school was just so, so amazing. and. Even the parents, the parents weren't allowed to come in and uh, you know normally we do weekly show backs, we let the parents come in, uh, if I left them that is <laughs> to see um, <laughs> what we've been doing. So it's only been the past few weeks really that finally it feels, hopefully, I mean that things are going back to normal and, and that's so important because obviously for the kids they want to know this is what we're working towards the reason they come is because they want to be on stage, they want to hear that applause from the audience, that interaction is a very interactive um, art form, isn't it? You don't want to just do class and not ever perform for anyone, so. Exactly. Yeah, we got there in the end, thank goodness.
0: Cool, so uh, now you're fully open operating, how many shows have your students been able to do and what venues have you been uh, back to?
1: Okay, so we, uh, we kind of officially reopened three weeks ago, uh, maybe four weeks, actually, I can't remember. And, um, cause I'm nuts in the best way, hopefully. And um, we did, we've done four performances <laughs> in the past month because I wanted the children to come, I wanted to hit the ground running and to get the kids straight out, straight away. So we uh, we do a lot of performances in our local community, a lot of the summer festivals. So we performed at Worsley Live, Um, We performed uh, at the Roundabout Theatre in association with the Lowry. Um, We also performed at Earlham Live, which was a huge stage. And then last weekend, we performed at Blackpool Opera House in Winter Garden. So the first month back was quite full on, but that's what what I live for. That's what the students live for. I want them to be on stage. You know, I don't believe that. You know doing the exams and stuff as much as it's great to get your exam certificate i believe that the kids experience more and gain more knowledge by actually being on a stage oh yeah so definitely we've done a lot of um we've done a lot of high profile events in the past four weeks and this sunday is our open day so we've got uh, 37 new students booked on for that hopefully they'll sign up to the school and then now between now and christmas we'll get right back into doing all of our classwork and and uh, resetting and retiring all of our current show content and getting all loads of new ideas. And uh, so yeah, I mean, Blackpool was amazing. It was unreal. The show was fantastic. Um, We had 70 students take part in that, which is crazy. Um, But yeah, they just all make me so proud. And it was unbelievable hearing the AK Theatre Arts blasting off this (laughs) week, finally. I was crying. I was, you know, when I got there, speaking to the Salman, the tech team, because I've, I've done the show for years as a kid myself and also with my own school. And they were like, Adam, you OK? What do you need? And they were so accommodating. And I said to them, I don't know if I've done too much, uh, but I need this, this, this. And they made it all happen. So I was sat there at the back watching the kids perform and I just never thought that day would come. So it was very overwhelming. And the, the kids just loved it. And the parents were crying and it was a real emotional, happy moment. So yeah, that was great. I loved the Blackpool show.
0: You know what, since uh, you've been back and I've seen uh, your little adverts on Facebook and whatnot, those car park promos, I love those that you do. You come up with that idea, because it's brilliant.
1: Oh, thank you. So, so that's it. Going back to COVID a little bit, I wanted to, once we kind of like softly reopened and we were at all the different venues, like I explained before, before, before other, Yes, yeah, so we were all the other news, like I explained before. Um, I wanted to come up with an idea where I wanted to do a show, but we weren't allowed, you know, you weren't allowed to dance in more than 20 kids in a group. They had to be two metres apart all the time. They had to, there was loads of restrictions. So I said, I came up with this idea, right, let's create a virtual show. Let's create a virtual show that's really exciting, that we can rehearse separately in their teams. and then. By the time we shoot it, hopefully some of the restrictions will have lifted so we can shoot them in different groups and then cut and paste it all together. So my good friend Adam Parker Brown, who owns a company in Manchester called Olivo, they do a lot of professional show reels for singers and dancers and mainly tribute acts. I reached out to him because we've worked with him before um, and we went to his studio and we filmed a whole different show and I didn't like any of it. And that's not from him. He was amazing, his team are amazing, but it just didn't look how I wanted wanted it to look. It was not, I can't explain my creative process. It's very strange and it sounds very dramatic, but if I sat down in a day to plan what I was going to do, it doesn't come to me where sometimes at four in the morning, I'll wake up and go, this is the show. And then I'll just do all the music and then I go back to sleep or I'll hear a song or um, we'll start writing a rap. Or when we do our shows, I always try and be original. So we might use a song but then we'll change the melody, we'll add our own lyrics, we'll cut and paste it together so you could never buy our material like on iTunes or Spotify, it's all mixed and created by me and then obviously uh, my team and myself choreographing and and into, you know, the show and the project. So we shot that video, seen the footage back and it just didn't look how I wanted it to look, it looked, um, it was great but it just, it just wasn't what I envisioned in my mind. It was still great, it looked great. And I said to Adam, I just don't think it's right. I don't I don't like it. And he was like, what do you mean you don't like it? I said, it just doesn't look how I want it to look. And I mean, I think we shot that. Uh, it took eight hours and I didn't like any of it. And I was like, well, we need to do it again. So <laughs> thankfully, um, it just didn't look right. I wanted yeah. it to look thick, and I wanted it to look Um, On the dance shots, I wanted it to be far back and not too close up and to show like the the scale of the school and the amount of children. I wanted it to be different, unusual. And I kind of, it looked like things I'd seen before. So I said, right, leave it with me and we're going to redo it. So I had to tell all my lovely parents, "Um, sorry guys, uh, we're going to do it again because I don't like it. And they were like, what would would like, and people do call me a diva, and I used to think that a diva was a bad thing. But I'm not a diva in the way where I'm, you know, I've got an attitude or I think I'm better than anyone. I'm a diva in the way that I want the best for the children, and I won't, um, I won't settle unless it's perfect. I want perfection. I want it to be great. Yeah. So if people want to call me a diva for that. I'll take that title, no problem. There's nothing so, wrong with
0: that, mate. Is because you try and deliver an end product, and if it's not the product you want. Yeah, you know, why why go for um, why go for Tesco value Co. Well, you can have that Pepsi or Coca Cola, you
1: know. Exactly. So I mean, it looked good and and it was fine, but I just said it's not my standard. It's not what I want it to look like. Aesthetic is so important to me. I think that the yeah. way things look, um, you know, down to your Instagram posts and your visuals you put out there ultimately they've got AK all over them Adam Kerr so they're representing me and obviously I want the best for them so it was also the first thing we'd done back so maybe the kids weren't necessarily ready or maybe it was too soon to shoot um so one of my lovely mums uh, Michaela she let us use her warehouse and I just said I want it to look more like a music video rather than a show. You know, the previous one looked like a show in the sense of a theatre kind of show. Yeah. And I said I wanted to look more um current, urban, unexpected. So we Adam and his team agreed to reshoot it, thankfully. And uh, we shot it all in three and a half hours. <laughs> so we went from an eight hour shoot to a, a three-and-a-half-hour shoot. And at that time, by the time we reshot it, the restrictions had lifted so we could have more of the children in the shots. Um, and this is the thing, um, going back to working on the cruises, all the shows that we learned kind of instilled the way I kind of teach the kids now, where we, we do everything very quickly and it's not like 10 minutes of one song, we splice it and we cut it up, and we make it yeah. interesting. So it was my idea to kind of do it in that uh, kind of car park, grungy kind of look. And I just, I think it turned out amazing and I'm really, really happy with that. We got so much engagement on social media, on YouTube, on Facebook, so many views and it's really, really um, been fantastic. And the kids just look amazing. And shout out as well to Zoe, uh, who recorded all the vocals, cause um, that's another thing. I was like, this bit's wrong, I need to change this. Can we do that? And she just did it all in a stride. So shout out to Ollie Road, they were amazing. So I'm, I'm glad that you liked that because um, in the moment, you can watch it and then you're on to the next thing. But I actually rewatched watched it last night and I was like, that is so good, especially coming out of a lockdown. Yeah. And a, and a lot of them kids were brand new, it never did. So, so yeah, we shot that in it four did. hours on a Sunday after I'd had a gig the night before. Very tired, but uh, the kids got me through it.
0: <laughs> See, it reminded me of a early 2000s music video. You know, with all that big attitude and the camera angles to go with the attitude, it worked really well really did. yeah that's,
1: that's what I was going for thank yeah. you, thank you for on that.
0: <laughs> so if uh, people are listening to this podcast in your area and want to join your school how do they contact you
1: so if you go uh, if you search for uh, AK Theatre Arts at AK Theatre Arts on Facebook or Instagram you'll be able to be directed to our social media pages and just pop us a message on there and one of my teams or my PA will get back to you to uh, get you on for a free trial
0: brilliant Brilliant. So we're going to take a quick break here and then we're going to go into our final segment. So we'll be back very shortly. This podcast contains themes that are unsuitable for younger listeners and parental guidance is advised. It's been 30, 30 years, years since they came. 30, 30, 30 years. years. No! no! 30 years. They, took they took my, my child. child. 30, 30 years. I'm going to kill you. No. Thirty years new episodes every Friday. The links are in the description. And we're back. So um we're on our final segment now. So on top of your school, you perform in not one but two tribute groups. What are they?
1: So currently I am uh performing as part of Steps, the Experience and the Vengaboys Boys Experience and also um part of like a Grease Dirty Dancing Night tribute, which is a, uh, which is something I never thought I'd be doing at the age of 35, getting paid to sing the songs <laughs> that I used to dance in my bedroom when I was 10.
0: <laughs> nice. So how did you go about getting into those? Or did you just fall into them?
1: So um, I, didn't, I, I did not I I haven't. gig and stuff and I performed a little bit when I had the school, but I, my, my main focus was getting the school and the business up and running. And uh, I kind of lost my confidence a little bit, if I'm honest. And... Um, about my own ability or whether I was good enough, you know, for me to perform. Uh, so it was locked down, I seen a, I seen a clip of the group on um, on Facebook and I just sent like a message and just said, oh my goodness, this group, like, you just need me in this group, like joking, thinking of, nothing of it. And then they got back to me and it turned out that the girl um, who manages the group and, and is in charge of it, I'd met before, she said, well, actually, we're looking for some boys, would you like to audition? So. I secretly auditioned um, during the lockdown, said my videos, led some of the choreography, and then um, got booked to do it. So yeah, it's been great. We've had, I mean, over summer, my goodness, we've had some amazing high-profile gigs at the Sunshine Festival in um, the Midlands, which was huge, there was the crowd was massive, a lot of the big gay prides in the northeast and and, um, yeah, we've got lots of exciting things coming up, which I can't really reveal too much, but um, it's great to be back on stage. I've absolutely loved it. Um, and it's gave me a, a new lease of life, I think. So yeah, so it's going amazing.
0: So how much preparation did it take you to get from uh, doing the uh, audition videos to being on stage, uh, when you haven't been on stage yourself for, for a while there, at that point?
1: it was was quite a quick turnaround actually i went for like a brief rehearsal with the choreographer and thankfully i know the back the back catalogue of steps inside out so i knew all the songs um and i think my first gig was like five days later so yeah i'm out this weekend as well so i'm very very blessed and very lucky and i just i look at different eyes now because when you're young you can just you just moan about everything that's not important and we're just so lucky to be on stage So, and the team are great they're very welcoming all very talented so so yeah I'm, re- I'm really happy and hopefully more big things to come for us as, as a group and uh, as individuals as well.
0: So if there's anyone that's listening to this podcast and they want to book you your, as your Steps group or as your Vanger Boys group or even uh, the uh, Greece one how would they go about booking you?
1: Uh, so you can go to our uh, Facebook page, social medias, which is uh, Steps with a Z, The Experience. And then one of the team will go back to you there, or also looking at Pure Tributes um, on Facebook. That's uh, Rebecca who runs that company and she is our, um, she's in charge of the group. So yeah. All Brilliant. There. Thank you. For well, the show that-
0: well, thank you for coming on to the Total Entertainment Podcast. Would you like to come back in the future and tell us more about your work and your shows and your school?
1: Absolutely not. I'm really joking, <laughs> I'm <calling> on. <someone's. laughs>
0: Brilliant. I mean, there are some other thing, topics that I'd like to go over with, with you and a few others in the future. It's mainly about the cruise industry uh, with the uh, the lifestyle and, uh, the, and the work ethic and whatnot. So you, would you be happy to talk about that in the future?
1: absolutely of course and uh you know i just want to say thank you for inviting me on today and um i hope everyone's well and i hope all the performers and are back on stage safely and it's been lovely to talk about it memory lane and i think you know success as long as you're earning money in something that you love to do then that's success to me so um, i don't listen your teachers tell you at college uh, and just follow your own path and don't you know Don't follow everyone else. Try to be slightly different. That's my advice to everyone today.
0: Brilliant. Sound advice, mate. Sound advice from a true pro. If you're a band member or an artist, dancer, singer, actor, street performer, and you're listening to this and you'd like to talk to us on our show about your uh, latest gig or your album release on uh, digital media, or even want to talk to us about a student show, how about dropping us an email on musterxmedia1983 at gmail.com and we'll get you on our show.